For six innings on Wednesday night, the Orioles' offense looked lost again. But then Gunnar Henderson came to the rescue with a little league home run to give the O's the lead and to give the Orioles a win and a sweep over the Washington Nationals. I'll recap the big Orioles' victory, plus take a look at how Gunnar Henderson has done in his first couple weeks in the big leagues, look at how he compares to other rookies and how good he could be going forward. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap a big Orioles win as they beat the Nationals 6-2 on Wednesday night in D.C., sweeping a quick two-game series. I'll give you the five things you need to know from the comeback victory. Then we'll take a closer look at the star of the Orioles' victory on Wednesday night, the 21-year-old Gunnar Henderson, who continues to impress and has been fantastic in his first two weeks in the big. So we'll take a look at how good he's been and how his first two weeks compare to some of the other better rookies in Major League Baseball this season. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is, of course, here with you every single day of the week. And we thank you so much for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms Monday through Friday. If you could leave us a five-star rating and a review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you listen there, it helps a lot. And of course, we're on YouTube right here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And we thank you so much for all your support as the O's are in this playoff chase. And we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, let's start with another Orioles victory. O's 6, Nationals 2, the final score from Wednesday night at Nats Park in D.C. as the O's finish off a quick two-game sweep over the lowly Nationals. Maybe the worst team in baseball, but the O's made it difficult, but they came away with the victory, getting themselves to 75 and 67 on the season elsewhere in the wild card chase as I'm recording the Twins three outs away from beating the Royals the Blue Jays beat the Rays by a score of five to one you had the Mariners beating the Padres six to one and the O's did get one game of help at least the Rockies beat the White Sox three nothing so as the Orioles go into play on Thursday they are four games back of the Tampa Bay Rays for the final wild card spot they did pick up a game On Tampa, they are then five games back of the Seattle Mariners, who sit in second, and five and a half games back of the Toronto Blue Jays, who have the top wildcard spot. It is the White Sox now two and a half games behind the Orioles in this wildcard chase. So it was a big win for the O's, and I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 6-2 victory over the Nationals. And the first thing you need to know, Gunnar Henderson. That's... Almost all you need to know from this game is Gunnar Henderson. He's been great since he got called up. He homered in his second career at bat for his first career hit. But this was his game through and through. And this is the game where he has taken over 
more than any other game since he was called up on August 31st. Henderson in this game, who was hitting out of the eighth spot for the Orioles, got the start at third base, but with the lefty Patrick Corbin on the hill for the Nats, Brandon Hyde keeps him in the order, but bats him a little further down in the eight hole. And although he did go 0 for 2 against Corbin, he did drive in the Orioles' first run, came up with the bases loaded and one out in the second, hit a ground ball to third. Nationals' third baseman, Ildemaro Vargas, Kind of looked like he thought there were two outs because he just threw to first instead of trying for the double play. It got Henderson an RBI, gave the Orioles a 1-0 lead. But of course, the big hit came in the seventh for Henderson. After Jesus Aguilar and Cedric Mullins singled to open the inning, O's trailing 2-1 with runners on first and second and nobody out in the top of the seventh. Henderson laces a line drive down the left field line into the corner. The pinch runner, Taron Vavra, scored. Obviously, Cedric Mullins scored easily. Henderson was coasting into third with a triple. And then Cesar Hernandez, who is a infielder by trade, have no idea why he was playing left field, but he was. Kind of showed you why it's not a good idea for him to be in left field. Picked up the ball, tried to throw it in towards the infield. Just slipped out of his hand. He drops it, and Henderson scores on the air for a three-run Little League homer to flip the game and give the O's a 4-2 lead in that seventh inning. And then he wouldn't be done. Henderson blasted an RBI double off the wall in the eighth to make it then 6-2 Orioles. Of course, that double, or that triple, I should say, he hit in the seventh, 102 off the bat, and then the double that he hit in the eighth crushed that one. 109 off the bat, 391 feet. Really just missed a two-run homer, but just absolutely demolished that baseball. He's been awesome. He continues to be awesome. And we'll talk a little bit more later in this episode about how good he has been. But the second thing you need to know from this one is that right after Gunnar Henderson had the Little League home run to give the O's a 4-2 lead, Jorge Mateo hit a true home run, and it was a much-needed blast for Mateo. It was a solo shot to give the O's a 5-2 lead at that time in the seventh inning. And for Mateo, he took a hanging breaking ball on the first pitch, and he hit it out 105.7 miles per hour off the bat, 384 feet for Mateo. And it's been a long time coming for Jorge, almost a month since he had homered. His last home run was all the way back on August 19th, so... It's uh, It's been a little while since he has hit the ball out of the ballpark. That was that crazy 15-10 to 10 win over the Red Sox. That's the last time he homered. And he had been 6-for-31 in the month of September before that at-bat, before hitting the homer. So that was just really a huge spot for Mateo. He comes through, and he's been really slumping lately. Hopefully, that can kind of get his bat back into being at least suitable and solid out of the nine hole for the Orioles. Third thing you need to know from this one is that Jesus Aguilar with his first multi-hit game in an Orioles uniform. Aguilar getting the start as the Orioles DH in this one, hitting sixth against the lefty Patrick Corbin. And Aguilar two for three with a couple of singles in this game. He singled in the second inning to load the bases with nobody out. And then Aguilar got the Orioles seventh inning rally started. He was in there in the DH spot. The Nats had gone to the bullpen. Patrick Corbin somehow had allowed just one run over six innings despite a terrible season. And then the Nats went to the pen to start the seventh. Mason Thompson, who's been great this year as a right-hander the last couple of months since joining the Nats bullpen, comes out there. Aguilar's leading off. And I think a lot of people assumed, well, that's the time that Brandon Hyde goes to the bench. 
brings in the lefty Kyle Stowers to pinch hit for Aguilar. But Jesus Aguilar stays out there and on the first pitch, scorches a single into center field for a base hit, comes out of the game for a pinch runner, and that started that Orioles four-run rally in the seventh inning. So kudos to Aguilar, who was one for 18 as an Oriole coming into this game. Just one hit since they put him on the roster September 1st, and he gets two big singles in this one for the O's. And really, you know, it was kind of a addition to this Oriole lineup that got a lot of hits once again. I mean, they had 11 hits on Tuesday night. They had 11 hits on Wednesday night. And, you know, you look up and down the Oriole order, you know, you had everybody who started or was in this game, I should say, reach base for the Orioles. And Cedric Mullins came in as a pinch hitter in the seventh, and he ended up with two hits. I mentioned Gunnar Henderson. Mateo has the home run. Even Taron Vavra got a hit after entering Santander, Arias, Hayes, all with hits in this game. The O's did it well up and down the lineup, and, you know, they got a few more hits with runners in scoring position. It was all Gunnar Henderson, but they did get that. It was still an issue in this game, but they did come out with the big victory. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that as we turn to the pitching side, Tyler Wells just pounded the strike zone like we saw him do all year before the injury. Wells making his second start back from the oblique injury in this one with a much longer leash. Of course, he only lasted two innings, allowing one run in that last start back on Wednesday against the Blue Jays. And this one a little deeper into the game. Four innings for Tyler Wells, who allowed two runs on two hits, four strikeouts, and no walks. Both of those runs were on the only two hits he allowed. Two solo home runs. He retired the first eight batters of the game, then allowed a solo home run to Riley Adams. And then with two outs in the fourth, he allowed a solo home run to Luke Voigt. Those were the only homers he allowed. Took him just 50 pitches to get through four innings. Just three hard hit balls. The two homers and then one other hard hit ball against him. Again, just pounded the strike zone to get through those four innings. He mixed fastball and slider well. 19 four-seamers, 18 sliders, and then he went with nine change-ups and four curveballs on the day. Did get eight whiffs on just 26 swings, including four on the four-seamer. Now, the velo was a little bit down. It was more 92-93 than his usual 93-94, but in general, the stuff looked good. Again, he wasn't even close to walking anybody, pounding the zone And that's why he was really the Orioles' best starting pitcher for a good chunk of this season before the injury because he just didn't walk, guys. And he continued that on Wednesday. It looks like Wells is going to stick in this rotation for now. And even though Austin Voth pitched out of relief in this one, he probably rejoins the rotation next week now that the O's don't have any more off days after today for the rest of the season. But it looks like Wells can probably be stretched to, you know, five innings and beyond, and he should be kind of good to go back in this Orioles rotation. And speaking of Austin Voth out of the bullpen, the fifth and final thing you need to know from this Orioles 6-2 win is that it wasn't the usuals out of the Oriole pen. It was not the three-headed monster that ended up getting the four innings and the 12 outs for the Orioles in the win on Tuesday night. It was the other guys who pitched five scoreless innings to keep the O's in this one and then lock down an Oriole victory. D.L. Hall, a 1-2-3 fifth with a strikeout. Austin Voth, despite struggling and walking two, did put up a scoreless six. C.N.L. Perez allowed a hit, but got a scoreless seventh. Jake Reed comes out and gets a scoreless eighth with a hit and a strikeout. And then Brian Baker, a 1-2-3 ninth with a strikeout to seal the win. The O's won this game without having to use Dylan Tate or Felix Bautista. And of course, with the off day today, they won't pitch in that one. And then it's going to be go time for this Oriole bullpen. 
And these guys like D.L. Hall and like Jake Reed and like Brian Baker, they're going to have to step up because as I mentioned, the Orioles are off today. That is their last scheduled off day for the rest of the season. They will play 20 consecutive days starting tomorrow when they head to Toronto. That means A, you need some deep starts in the games and B, you can't just rely on the three-headed monster of Perez, Tate, and Bautista to get you through the bullpen in every game. Hall's got to step up. Reed's got to step up. Baker, Crable, these guys need to step up in the Oriole bullpen to get them through the 20 games in 20 days. And I think Wednesday was a really good sign of the fact that that could happen down the stretch for the Orioles. But they get the win. It wasn't pretty the entire time either night, but they do what they need to do in D.C., sweep the two-game series against the Nats, and now they turn their focus after the off day to the Toronto Blue Jays. But if the O's are going to beat the Blue Jays, and if the O's are going to get back into this wild card race and somehow make it into the postseason here in 2022, they're going to need more of what they're currently getting from Gunnar Henderson, because of course he was the star of the win on Wednesday night, and he's been a star since the Orioles called him up two weeks ago. And coming up next, we're going to break down Gunnar Henderson's first couple of weeks in the big leagues, how good he has been, and how much better he can continue to be for the Orioles in this playoff race. But, you know, if you're betting on the Orioles to make the postseason, you're kind of betting on Gunnar Henderson staying hot. But if you're into sports betting, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season, and of course, all your Major League Baseball betting needs as we get into the end of September and October. But in terms of football, you know, we got college football week three coming up this week, NFL week two coming up this week, and you can find all the latest football league developments, matchups, news, podcasts, including every single week of football. And BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering info. That includes live betting, esports, and scores, and really everything sports-wise under the sun that you can think of. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. So the Orioles come up with a big win over the Nationals. They sweep the two-game series. They got the off day today, and then they head to Toronto, a pivotal Three-game series north of the border this weekend. Of course, the O's just dropped three of four to the Blue Jays at home. They're going to need to turn things around, and they pretty much have to win at least two out of three in this series to stay in this postseason race. And if they're going to do that, they're going to need more of what they've been getting from Gunnar Henderson because this dude has just been an absolute stud since getting called up to the big leagues. He had a 135 WRC plus coming into play on Wednesday and upped that even more with a big two for four game with the triple, the double, and, you know, just driving in four runs for this Oriole team. And he really does it all. It's now been 54 plate appearances for Gunnar Henderson since he got called up. He's been awesome. He has only sat once. He's been in the lineup righty or lefty every single day. And in those 54 plate appearances, he's now hitting 320 with a 370 on base percentage and a 520 slugging. That is an 890 OPS so far for Gunnar Henderson. He's got five doubles. He's got a triple. He's got a home run. He's got nine RBIs, four walks, two 11 strikeouts. And if you look at this Oriole lineup right now, you know, in the last week, they've basically had two game-changing hits in the last seven days. They have both come 
from Gunnar Henderson. Of course, the first one was Friday night against the Red Sox. He comes up with the bases loaded and one out in the sixth inning. Orioles trailing 2-1. to one. Just rolls one through the right side for a two-run single, giving the O's a 3-2 lead. They would go on to win that game by that score. And then, of course, you have the two-run triple turned Little League homer that gave the O's the lead in the seventh on Wednesday night. You think about all the struggles that the Orioles' offense has had over the past week plus. Those are really the two big hits that they've had overall. And they've come from the 21-year-old kid, Gunnar Henderson, the youngest player to make his Major League debut in 2022, the dude is ridiculous. And, you know, I saw Nathan Ruiz of the Baltimore Sun tweet out a stat that he's the only player in the big leagues in the last 10 years to, I believe, have five doubles, a triple, and a home run in his first 14 games in the big leagues. One of only two players to do it, Henderson and Cody Bellinger. And it's not just the hitting, because defensively, he's playing great at third base. He's played great in the opportunities he's gotten at shortstop. And even though he had those little bit of struggles in the doubleheader against the Blue Jays playing second, that's not his usual position. And he did make a couple of great plays we've seen him make defensively at second base as well. And I think he'll mostly play third and short down the stretch, but he can play second as well. And then the thing that really, I think, goes under the radar, just flies under the radar really for Gunnar Henderson is the speed. And he showed it off in the triple-turned-little-league homer on Wednesday night. He went from home to third. This is before he kind of stopped at third, then saw the error, then continued on home. He went home to third in 11.12 seconds per stat cast on the two-run triple on Wednesday night. That is the third fastest time of any major leaguer this season going from home to third. The second fastest time, 11.10 seconds, belongs to Jorge Mateo in his triple that he hit last week against the Blue Jays. So literally, you've got Mateo and Henderson two and three in that race. And that's the thing. You see Henderson as you know, this kind of big left-handed hitter who hits for power. He's got legitimate speed too. And obviously, he gets to show it off when he hits a triple and he becomes a Little League homer on Wednesday. But he also, I mean, he showed it off on Tuesday night. There was a point in Tuesday night's game where he hit a ground ball too short with a runner on first, and it looked like it was going to be a tailor-made 6-4-3 double play to end an inning. And it was hit hard to a really good shortstop in C.J. Abrams, and somehow Henderson just barely beat the throw at first to make it just a fielder's choice and keep the inning alive. And that's the kind of stuff that he does as well. And shout out to Sarah Langs on Twitter for pointing out that Henderson's home to third was the third fastest in baseball this year. But that's just the kind of stuff that he can do to change the game. And it's such a different feel for this Orioles team and this Orioles lineup because, you know, they're starting to build this lineup with guys like Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson and obviously Jorge Mateo. And, you know, even the guys that have been in there like Cedric Mullins for a little while now and, and Austin Hayes and Kyle Stowers, you look at this team and you think about kind of the last good, the last playoff Orioles team was 2016. That team was one of the slower teams I have ever seen. I mean, you want to talk about the 2016 Orioles with J.J. Hardy and Matt Wieters and Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo and Pedro Alvarez. Watching those dudes rumble around the bases, it was tough to watch at times. 
Now you have a team with legitimate speed. I mean, Adley Rutschman has really good speed for a catcher. Jorge Mateo, obviously one of the fastest players in baseball. And it turns out Gunnar Henderson has elite speed too. And these other guys can run. I mean, Cedric Mullins has 31 stolen bases. Jorge Mateo has 30. Gunnar Henderson's already stolen a base at the major league level. These guys are different players. And Gunnar Henderson is certainly different with what he's done so far in his first two weeks. But it begs the question, you know, the 320 average, the 890 OPS, how do these first 50 or so plate appearances compare for Gunnar Henderson to the other top rookies in Major League Baseball this year? So coming up next, we're going to take a look at that. How's Gunnar done compared to how some of these other rookies in 2022 have done in their first 50 plate appearances? And what could that mean? It doesn't have any meaning for what Henderson will do for the rest of this year and moving forward with the Orioles. So we're talking Gunnar Henderson, who was the star of the Orioles' 6-2 victory over the Washington Nationals on Wednesday night. Couple of hits, four RBIs, just kind of putting this Oriole offense on its back while it struggled mightily for six innings. It's been struggling mightily for weeks. Gunnar Henderson trying to break through and keep this team in a playoff race. But as I mentioned, Gunnar Henderson threw 54 plate appearances now through 14 games. 320 average, 370 on base, 520 slugging. Five doubles, a triple, a homer, nine RBIs. He's got right around a 140 WRC plus, means he's been 40% better than a major league average hitter since being called up to the big leagues on August 31st. So the question becomes, how does he compare to some of the other top rookies? Because this is something we talked about when Adley Rutschman first got called up. Remember back in May, Adley came up and of course he tripled in his first game for his first major league hit. But Adley went into a fairly prolonged slump, about three weeks worth of a slump before he really broke out. And then since he broke out of the slump, he's been one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. But if you remember, you know, just looking at guys through about 50 plate appearances for Adley, for his first 49 plate appearances, he hit 163, slugged just 233. He had one extra base hit. He had no homers. He had a 48 WRC plus. He was struggling a little bit. Julio Rodriguez through his first 48 plate appearances. This dude's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. 136 average, 159 slugging, no homers, 22 Ks to four walks, and a 12 WRC plus for Julio Rodriguez. Bobby Witt, another top prospect, Bobby Witt Jr., 184 average, 35 WRC plus, no homers, 15 Ks to two walks. These guys were really, really struggling when they first came up. And you look at some of these other guys who, you know, were supposed to be studs. I mean, C.J. Abrams, we just saw him with the Nats this week. First 49 plate appearances, hit 149 with a 51 WRC+. I mean, a guy like Spencer Torkelson, he struggled. He had to go back down to AAA. And yeah, there were some guys who hit well, but even the guys who hit really well, pretty similar stats to Gunnar Henderson. I mean, for example, look at Michael Harris II. The outfielder for the Atlanta Braves who came up has been dynamite since getting called up in June and has already gotten an eight-year contract extension with the Braves. In his first 49 plate appearances, 298 average, 327 on base, 447 slugging, a 112 WRC+. plus. That's pretty good. All those numbers still worse than what Gunnar Henderson is doing. Look at a guy like Jeremy Pena, who has since kind of fallen off but was red hot to start. You know, 286 average, 354 on base for him in his first 49 plate appearances. I mean, it's pretty equal to what Gunnar Henderson has done. And another guy in Riley Green, who was, you know, one of the top three prospects in baseball when he got called up by the Tigers. First 48 plate appearances, pretty good. 
282 average, 417 on base, 124 WRC+. Gunnar Henderson's been better. And I'm not saying he's been the best rookie in his first 50 plate appearances. I mean, Stephen Kwan, nobody got him out. He hit 395 in his first 51 plate appearances. That's absurd. I mean, if you remember, Nolan Gorman of the Cardinals had three home runs with almost a 600 slugging percentages in his first 50 plate appearances, although he had some big strikeout numbers. He had 16 Ks in that time, and pretty much all he's done is strikeouts since then. So not everybody struggled, and Henderson hasn't been better than everybody, but I mean, just really focus in on those Rutschman and Rodriguez numbers. Adley Rutschman, 48 WRC+. Julio Rodriguez, 12 WRC+, in their first 50 plate appearances. Henderson's at 140. He's hitting the ball. Those two guys didn't find home runs for a while. Couldn't get any extra base hits. Gunner's already got seven extra base hits in his first 14 games. That is a fantastic run that he's on. And again, he's going to slump at some point. But what I also wanted to talk about is, you know, it was tough to see him get called up when he did. He obviously should have been up sooner than he was. I was banging that table for more than a month. Turned out to be right. But if you think about it, now, there's still, as you know, there's still three weeks left in this season. So anything could happen. You know, three weeks from yesterday is the final day of the regular season. So he could go into a slump. But he could maintain this enough where he doesn't really hit his first big league prolonged slump. Then the season ends. He does work in the offseason. And then he comes back to start 2023 as either the Orioles opening day shortstop or third baseman. And he just picks up where he left off. You know, maybe he's in a spot where, you know, after his first month or so, he starts to slump a little bit just because pitchers adjust as they do to rookies and they start to find their weaknesses. The season might end before they really start to pick out those big weaknesses and attack them, and he slumps. So that could kind of work out kind of well for the Orioles. But at the end of the day, Gunnar Henderson is a future piece for the O's. There was a reason why he was the number one prospect in baseball per Baseball America before he got called up. This dude hits for average. He hits for power. He runs the bases well. He plays fantastic defense. And, you know, I think the jury is still going to be out all offseason on whether Jorge Mateo is with the Orioles in a starting capacity next year. And I could see Mateo being the starting shortstop. I could see a big free agent signing, maybe a Trey Turner or something, being the Orioles starting shortstop on opening day next year. But even if he's not a shortstop, he's going to be at third to start the year. And Henderson is a legit piece. And you put him with Adley Rutschman. You've got two franchise cornerstones right now for the Orioles moving forward. Things are already looking brighter than we thought they ever could have in 2022. And now you got these two guys to put together moving forward. You add in a Cedric Mullins and an Anthony Santander, and you add in a big free agent signing with a bat. You've got a lineup starting to come together for the Orioles for years to come. And Gunnar Henderson, either in the two or three hole for 15 years, hopefully in Baltimore, is just going to be incredibly fun to watch. But that'll do it for our episode here. Of course, we thank you for listening in to Locked on Orioles. If you're looking for more Major League Baseball content here on the network, maybe make your second listen of the day Locked on MLB. The podcast hosted by Major League Baseball expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast Locked on MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever 
you get your pods. That'll do it for us here today. One more episode to go this week. Coming up tomorrow, a Friday pod. We will preview a gigantic series north of the border between the Blue Jays and the Orioles and just do kind of a reset on where the Orioles stand with 20 games left to go in the season. We'll have a special guest joining us for that conversation to talk about you know, what the O's need to do to get into the postseason, what our thoughts are so far, you know, through about 140 games, what kind of changes they'll make. Does Grayson Rodriguez join this team? Do they have any reinforcements left? Do they have the juice left to get to the postseason? We'll talk through all of that coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.